Hello everyone, welcome back to the very special Why So Serious Avengers of Justice spinoff, narrated by me. Um, I want to apologize for not putting out an episode the last couple months. I did not abandon the project. Life's been crazy, there's been new jobs and all kinds of stuff that I don't want to get into, but... Uh, I wanted to put this next episode out. I've been working on it for a while. It's gone through several revisions. Um, and so let's get right into it. Uh, this episode is going to pick up right after the MCU events of Thor. Uh, and picking up as well just before and during the, the MCU events of the Avengers. With some twists, of course, by me. So let's get right into it. Loki fakes his own death after failing to defeat Odin and Thor on Asgard. While his people think him gone from the galaxy, desperate for power and the right to rule something, he returns to Apocalypse and tries to make a deal with Darkseid. I have to commend you, Asgardian. It shows true brevity that you dare show your face here again. I allowed you freedom from your debts to me, attempting to steal my sacred property, and yet you return? Tell me what a fitting end is for a false king. Loki, now annoyed, responded, Lord Darkseid, all I ask is for partnership. I show you the secret way to Asgard, and you and your forces march in and kill Odin and Thor. Leave me to rule, and our partnership lives on. Asgard, an ally to Apocalypse for years to come. Darkseid thinks about this for a moment. It just so happens our desires align, Asgardian. I have need to go there soon. But tell me why I should allow you the right to lead my forces. Why can you be trusted, nevertheless alongside me? Why should Loki... Why would Loki, god of mischief, Odin's son, betray his own people? Asked Darkseid. Have you not heard of my true parentage? What the All-Father did. I am no Odin's son, Darkseid. My name is Loki Laufeyson. And as I have recently learned, Odin took me from Jotunheim. And I am its rightful king. Darkseid smiles and speaks at this response. Ah, vengeance, the purest form of rage. Allow me a moment to consort with my new allies. Darkseid and Palpatine speak. What say you, old man? Palpatine responds, I sense a disturbance. He can show you the way, and he indeed intends to, but he will betray you at the end. He desires Odin to see him as a hero. He wants him to be chosen over Thor willingly. He cares little what happens to Thor. And you are sure of this, old man? Palpatine smiles. My new powers show me many things, and deception is a path to the dark side. It's something I know well. I am certain. He will lead us in, then, Darkseid says. He will die after. But I feel he could still be of more use to us. And Darkseid turns back to Loki. I offer you this. You show me and my forces the way into Asgard, and I will allow you to reign. But first, a test of worth. You will lead a battalion of parademons to Earth. 
You will go to Themyscira, home of the Amazons, and you will gather for me the anti-life equation. Loki thinks. The anti-life equation is on Earth? Darkseid responds, it has been for a long time. Go get it and we will use it in the battle against Asgard. Then you will be king. Loki questions, how am I to get an army of this size to Earth? Surely your mother boxes are not big enough for that. The Tesseract, replied Darkseid. Mother boxes are not just technological. They are organic and can change their structure as needed. Merge the Tesseract with the mother box and you will have a space bridge big enough and far reaching far enough to get from Apocalypse to Earth. And where is the Tesseract? In a facility managed by an Earth organization known as S.H.I.E.L.D. My spies have provided the location. Go to Earth. You will need to be in close proximity to use the mother box to get there yourself. Earth's moon should suffice. Go to Earth, attack the facility, claim the Tesseract for yourself, and then, once you return to Themyscira, and use the mother box and the Tesseract combined to bring my forces there. Queen Hippolyta will know where the anti-life equation is. You should know, Loki said. Earth is under the protection of my brother. An open attack will bring him back. Is that a problem? Asks Lord Darkseid. No problem, Loki says. I accept your most gracious offer, Loki said with an insincere smile. Take our newest lieutenant with you, Palpatine said, and gestured toward Kylo Ren, who stepped forward. Palpatine spoke again. He is at your command, as is a battalion of my finest troopers. Loki and his new men set off to prepare for the battle. The plan was to send Loki to Earth with the Mother Box, find the Tesseract, go to Paradise Island and call the combined armies of Palpatine and Darkseid, take the cities, and interrogate Queen Hippolyta to find the location of the Mother Box. I mean, the anti-life equation. Lord Vader, we have a communication array set throughout the galaxy. Send word back to Exegol that we will remain here for many rotations, and to send my fleet to this system. Darth Vader responded, Yes, Master. Back on Themyscira, Diana studied what she could in the Amazonian library, though did not learn much more than what her mother had told her about the history of her people, and even littler knowledge on the Asgardians or the Atlanteans. She kept at it, though, and eventually came across a book with a golden binding. In it were stories of an Amazonian traveler, one of the few Amazonians who walked the world of man, Asteria, and she began to read. On Earth, well, on Earth separately from Themyscira, at a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility in upstate New York, scientists and agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were all hard at work. This particular facility was for energy experimentation and manipulation. The Tesseract was in the center, and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s top scientists were hard at work trying to unravel its secrets. All S.H.I.E.L.D. really knew about the Tesseract was that it was alien, and it was first recorded being used in World War II by Johann Schmidt to power his experimental weaponry for the Nazi regime. After the United States created its first and only known successful super soldier, Steve Rogers, they sent Rogers and a squad of his own personal soldiers, known as the Howling Commandos, to Germany to take on Schmidt. Steve was able to defeat Schmidt. However, in doing so, both Steve Rogers and the Tesseract were lost at sea when Steve brought down a German bomber headed straight for New York. Steve was only one of two presumed casualties the Howling Commandos sustained during their deployment. Howard Stark, 
Tony's own father and top military engineer for the Allies during World War II, later found the Tesseract in the Arctic Ocean while looking for Steve's body. S.H.I.E.L.D. reclaimed the Tesseract and has been in the upstate New York facility ever since. Howard was, however, unsuccessful in finding Steve's body in his lifetime. Steve's body was later discovered by Steve Trevor, U.S. Air Force pilot turned agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. contracted the Air Force to survey the rough Greenland terrain for an experimental and top-secret facility. When the survey returned strange readings, Trevor landed and went in with the team to investigate, only to discover that the body, uniform, and gear of Steve Rogers himself perfectly preserved was perfectly preserved in ice, and he was still alive, had been in a coma the whole time. This was the event that led S.H.I.E.L.D. to recruiting Trevor and starting his career as an agent. Steve Rogers was later moved to the same S.H.I.E.L.D. facility as a Tesseract, where he continues to sleep in his coma. On the moon, Loki had arrived, traveling in a TIE fighter gifted to him by Palpatine. He exited the vehicle and took out the mother box. The box was already locked in on the location of the S.H.I.E.L.D. facility holding the Tesseract. All Loki had to do was activate it. Loki was wearing his ceremonial Asgardian battle armor, green robes and a gold helmet with horns on it, and a spear. He had to dress for the part. After all, he was a god, or so he thought. He activated the mother box and with a large boom... A magnificent portal opened before him. Back at the S.H.I.E.L.D. facility, the lights began to flicker, equipment began to fail, and alarms began to sound. Soon another loud boom, followed by a large portal opening in the facility itself, with bright lights from the portal, caused many of the scientists and engineers to be temporarily blinded. When the lights faded, uh, and people could see again, all that remained where the, uh, where the portal once was was a man, his whole body smoking a blue aura. He stood from his crouched position and smiled eerily at the crowd. Maria Hill was at this facility, doing routine checkups and approached the man. Sir, please put down the spear. And without speaking, he fired a bolt from his from it at her, sending her flying into the air and back against the wall. Soldiers began rushing him, and Loki began throwing knives every which way, killing them instantly. Eventually, all that remained were scientists and a few soldiers too afraid to attack. Loki spoke. I am Loki of Asgard, and I come with glorious purpose. He said with his arms held high. He began walking over to various scientists, appeared to be judging them, uh, and those he deemed worthy, he compelled to follow his commands. Being the god of mischief, Loki is able to control the inhibitions of some of the weaker willed. He gathered a small following of remaining agents, scientists, and engineers, ordered them to take the Tesseract and secure him a vehicle for his escape out of the facility. When the Tesseract was removed from its housing, the facility became unstable and the entire building was being, as the, as the entire building was being powered by the Tesseract. And when it was removed, various devices began malfunctioning. The experimental reactors housing the Tesseract's energy became volatile and would soon explode. Loki ensured he was out of harm's reach and decided to leave the facility, uh, taking his new servants with him. Walking right past and taking little to no interest in the cradle holding the comatose Steve Rogers, Loki escaped... Uh, and at the facility, the reactors all exploded, sending a wave of energy outward. Hill woke up and began running just before the explosion reached her, trying to take cover behind Steve Rogers' cradle. Using Steve's cradle uh, as cover, uh, it was hit with the energy wave and smashed open. She tried to lift it over. She realized there was no body inside of it. Confused, she stood up, and in front of her was the now-awake Steve Rogers looking onward at the destruction. Frightened and confused and panicked, he began to run. Hill stood up, put her finger to her ear, and said, Get me Fury, 
and she then ran after Rogers. However, he was too fast, and she lost him in the chaos. Loki sets up shop in an underground catacomb somewhere in Europe, where he is contacted by being known as the Other. The Other tells Loki that Darkseid means to betray him, and the anti-life equation is point is a pointless conquest. Instead, Loki should give the newly acquired Tesseract to the Other in a show of good faith. The Other will allow Loki to the right to rule over Earth and even provide him with the forces to take it, claiming his army is stronger than that of Darkseid's. This army would protect Loki from Darkseid's betrayal. Loki sees this as an opportunity to get everything he wants, Earth, Asgard, and removing Darkseid from the equation permanently, and later down the line, the Other. He agrees to help the Other and has him get his army ready. In the meantime, Loki will prepare for battle. He orders his new followers to design a machine that will allow the Tesseract and the Mother Box to create two different space bridges at the same time. They argue that this is possible, but only with a capable mind with the proper experience running the project and Iridium. Loki, remembering his time on Earth only just a few weeks ago, he thinks of Eric Selvig, a brilliant mind, and a jab at Thor all at the same time if he gets him under his control. Loki takes orders his new soldiers to capture Selvig, and once Selvig is brought before Loki, he enchants Selvig into building his machine. As for the Iridium, Loki travels to Central City, where there is some Iridium being kept inside a Star Labs research facility. It just so happens to be the same one attached to a particle accelerator. Star Labs is hosting a very big event this, e at this same evening. Harrison Wells, the head scientist, is turning on the particle accelerator for the first time and many of Central City's scientific community as well as reporters are on the scene. Loki changes his clothing to something more formal, a green and black suit, and walks right in through the front door, bewitching the security so that they believe he's a guest. He enters the crowd that is gathering before a podium, waiting for Harrison Wells to speak, and in the meantime, Loki helps himself to some hors d'oeuvres. Harrison Wells approaches the stand a few minutes later and greets the crowd, who, who is listening intently at what he has to say. Loki, with a smile, slowly makes his way through the crowd and approaches the podium. He walks up onto the stage, and Wells, with a confused look, looks at Loki and says, Excuse me, I'm not taking questions at this time. And Loki responds saying, Yes. You are. Loki grabs Wells and throws him to the ground. The crowd gasps and some begin to scream. Loki's eyes go green as he looks well as he looks Wells straight on. Wells can't control his thoughts. Loki's looking in, reading his mind. After a few seconds of this, Loki's eyes return to normal, and his smirk fades, only for a moment. Loki appeared to be in deep thought, and for a minute he even looked shocked. His grin returned though as he looked back at Wells and said, Well, I only wanted the location of the Iridium, but you're an interesting one, aren't you? He leans in and whispers to Wells, I was going to kill you, but I think this should play out. Loki stands up for a moment. The expression of fear that once filled Wells' face turns now expressionless. Almost stoic anger filled Wells' eyes. He stood up and looked at Loki, fists clenched. clenched. Security had now arrived and surrounded the stage, the two men staring at each other intently, still. Suddenly, a thunderous boom filled the sky outside loud enough for all to hear. Loki's grin shifted to a concerned look and Wells appeared confused. Loki held up a hand and in the distance a small explosion could be heard and Iridium flew through the air and landed in Loki's hand. He secured it in his belt. The crowd began to disperse at the sound of the explosion and security became flustered, half of the group going for the, to the source of the explosion and the other half moving in on Loki, who effortlessly turned uh, and enchanted them all to his own side. Loki begins to walk away when Wells grabs his arm. I don't think so. 
Wells said. Loki turns back to him and said, I don't have time for this. But the two were interrupted as another explosion, this time from above, as something came crashing down through the ceiling. A bolt of lightning crashed through the room, and when it vanished, Thor was all that remained, and he looked angry, his eyes glowing white. Thor pointed his hammer at Wells. Be gone, human. This is an Asgardian matter. I shall detain my brother before he can do any more damage. Wells backed away and exited the room. Hello, brother. Loki, I thought you dead. Loki Odinson is dead. I am Laufison now. Loki responded. How could you say that? We were raised together, we played together, we fought together. Thor said. Yes, brothers, and yet you are chosen for the throne. I wonder how that happened. Loki said with a jealous flare in his voice. So you come here, Thor said. You mean to rule the earth? Is that it? Your precious glorious purpose? Loki got angry. Have care how you speak to me, brother. He began yelling. I have seen power even you couldn't imagine. I have control of one of the most formidable armies the Nine Realms has ever seen. Thor looked confused and concerned and said, Who showed you this power? Who controls the would-be king? Thor approached Loki and grabbed his shoulders. You give up this pointless dream. You give up the Tesseract, and you come home. Loki looked for a moment as if he actually considered Thor's offer. Then his hands glowed green and blast and he blasted Thor, who flew about a hundred feet back. Sorry, brother. And Loki jumped through the hole in the ceiling until he arrived on the roof. He looked for a moment at the Central City skyline and then changed back into his war attire. He signaled for his TIE fighter to come retrieve him. But as soon as he gave the signal, he was hit by something with great force. Iron Man. Loki was tackled off the roof by Iron Man and landed in the middle of the courtyard, surrounded only by the exterior walls of the particle accelerator. Iron Man landed in front of him. Make a move, reindeer games, Tony said as he aimed his repulsors at Loki. Loki stood and exclaimed, The machine! It was at this moment that Tony was the one being hit, not by Loki, but by a giant hammer. Loki stood amused and watched as his brother began to attack Tony. Tony takes off and begins firing his repulsors at Thor from above, who also takes flight and starts hurling bolts of lightning at Tony. Loki continued to watch from below, amused. Bolts of lightning flew everywhere from above. Tony could barely see Thor. He moved so fast with the clouds in the way and the fact that it was dark out made Tony sloppy. Jarvis, we have to ground this guy, Tony said. Jarvis responded, scans indicate his hammer itself flies, not the man. I suggest separating them, sir. Tony responded, worth a shot. Let's get in close. Tony flew right up to Thor, managing to dodge two lightning strikes, and when he was close enough, he targeted Thor's hand and fired everything, causing Thor to let go of the hammer and fall. Thor attempted to call his magic hammer back to him, before it can make, but before it can make contact, Tony fired a missile at it, sending it flying below, right into the particle accelerator. Thor, landing in the courtyard again. Tony flew down and landed near Thor, who stood up and said, Do not touch me again. Before Tony could answer, Jarvis came through the earpiece. Sir, it appears that someone has activated the Star Labs particle accelerator. Tony, shocked, responded and said, What? I thought they evacuated. How is that possible? Who turned it on? I am not sure, sir, but it has most certainly sustained some damage. We must... And then before, Tony, uh, before Jarvis could finish, Tony was hit by Thor. Tony began to stand when Thor called a bolt from the sky, but this one was a continuous stream. An endless flow of lightning flying right into Thor's hammer as he held it high above his hand. Tony said, how much time do we have? It appears only seconds. Before Tony could react, Thor fired the bolt at him. His HUD was so bright, it was, he was, Tony was temporarily blinded. 
and when he recovered, Jarvis said, Power levels at 400% capacity. And Tony, shocked, fired everything he had back at Thor, who blocked with his hammer and then countered with the lightning blast of his own. The streams didn't break, though. Tony's repulsor beam was firing at Thor, and Thor's lightning perfectly balanced the repulsors. At the center was a beautiful orange lightning that was coming from the middle. Suddenly, before the beam could break and either Thor or Tony had the chance to overpower one another, the particle accelerator fired. For a moment, everything felt frozen. The combined energy from both Thor and Tony appeared to evaporate and rise up into the sky, creating bright clouds with every color of the rainbow above Central City. Thor and Tony were both grounded by this event. Tony managed to look up into the sky from the ground, and Jarvis, who was clearly damaged, managed to get through one sentence. It appears it can't be contained, but before uh, cutting out. The colorful clouds began to pulse, and an aggressive, almost otherworldly thunder filled the air, getting louder and louder until one massive rainbow lightning bolt fired into Central City somewhere. After the, books, after the bolt struck uh, from the sky, all the light dispersed, and the darkness that remained brought the normal atmosphere back. Thor and Iron Man, still lying on the ground, both sat up and looked at each other. Before they could do anything, clapping began in the distance, and Loki approached. Well, you two really know how to put on a show. And as much as I would like to stay and see how it ends, I have work to do. The TIE, fire, the tie Fighter then descended from the sky high above the clouds and hovered over Loki. When a rope fell from it, Loki grabbed on and the TIE Fighter began to lift off, taking Loki with him. Tony's suit was too damaged to pursue and Thor had prepared to react when another set of engines could be heard. Both Tony and Thor looked as a sleek black, sleek black jet almost, uh, flew almost from out of nowhere, firing two non-destructive shots at Loki's ship, appearing to disable it and sending it crashing down below. The ship then pulled up, uh, the, bla this, the jet pulled up into a loop and a man ejected from the cockpit as Loki's ship was falling. Loki was now hurtling through the air, free-falling, and the man, who jumped out of the cockpit, dove right for Loki, caught him, and fired a grapnel at a nearby rooftop. Then he opened his cape and dropped Loki right in the feet, right at the feet of the now standing Tony and Thor. He landed next to and uh, he landed next and stood tall, the Batman. The three stood there when Tony broke the silence and said, "All right, this can't get any weirder." Tony then put the word out to Shield that Loki had been apprehended and a, and a magic man and a guy dressed as a bat had helped. After being picked up by Shield, Loki was taken to his special aircraft carrier, where he was detained. Nick Fury stood in the room before Iron Man, Thor, Black Widow, Coulson, Steve Trevor, Batman, Nomad, and Hawkeye. Fury also had Bruce Banner called in, who joined the group now as well. Well, you three made quite the mess, said Nick. Tony sarcastically replied, I blame Point Break over here. Then he looked at Thor and patted him on the shoulder and said, No offense, big guy. You got a mean swing. Nick resumed talking. Here's the situation. I have an Asgardian who, according to his brother... Possesses technology unseen otherwise before. He had the chance to escape and chose to remain. Something's going on and I want to know what it is. Furthermore, despite having Loki detained, we still don't have the Tesseract or the Iridium. And we don't have any, inf any information on the missing people Loki's kidnapped. Tony interrupted, how did we lose the Iridium? Nick responded, several security personnel are missing from the Star Labs roster. We can only assume that he turned them and gave the Iridium to them to take back to his base, said Nick. Nick then introduced everyone to each other and said he had a reason for bringing everyone in. 
Banner, Stark, I was hoping you could use our facilities here to locate the Tesseract and find where Loki is, where Loki hid it and set up shop. It emits a gamma signature. Bruce looked uneasy at Fury and said, that's it. Fury responded, that's it. Once we have the Tesseract, you can go home. Banner and Stark agreed. Romanoff, you and Thor see what information you can get out of Loki. Coulson, I want you to contact Clark Kent and tell him that we may need him in the coming days, just in case. Explain the situation. Nomad. In the attack on the New York facility, Steve Rogers awoke and escaped in the chaos. We were not able to dispatch anyone to find him, but it's absolutely essential he's recovered. To him, this is a whole new world. When you locate him, get him reacclimated and up to speed as much as he can take it. You'll find all the information you need in this docket. Banner commented, Fury, call everyone you know who has a spectrometer and have them put it on the roof. Stark has access to a really powerful one. If we can reroute it, if we can re if we can retrofit it to some shield jets, could you get some bodies to fly them over the major cities? It'll make scanning a lot easier. Nick nodded his head and said, Trevor, you heard the man. Go with them and prepare the jets. Everyone disembarks, and on the way out, Tony stops and approaches Nick. Was anyone injured in the Star Labs attack? Tony asked. Nick pulled up the report from the field agents doing cleanup. Five deaths. Two critical condition. Harrison Wells was found unconscious a few blocks from the incident. He is stable now, but appears to be paralyzed from the waist down. And your little light show struck the CCPD building. Their forensic scientist, Barry Allen, was inside working and is now in a coma. Tony looked upset and tapped his earpiece. Jarvis, let's cover the damages for Star Labs and pay for the medical bills of Harrison Wells and Barry Allen, as well as the funerals for the five deaths. I want updates on their condition. Yes, sir. He nodded at Nick, who reciprocated, and they all left to do their respective jobs. Batman remained in the room. Fury. Batman, is it? Batman grunted. Are you sure what you are you sure you know what you're up against here? asked Batman. Fury responded, No, but that's why I have you people. Batman looked at Fury and said, Have your people leave Loki's ship untouched. I want to see what I can learn about it. Fury looked uneasy. Why should I do that? Here I have information on everyone. Eyes on everything, but nothing on you, Batman. Batman approached and handed Fury two things. A device and a photograph. Fury looked at the photograph. It was old and in black and white. It was titled The Odd Fellows, and it was a photo of Diana Prince alongside a group of soldiers. The photo was dated 1918, and she was dressed in a very odd armor. Fury looked at it and said, Oh, that's interesting. Batman said, I've been tracking her. She's currently in the middle of the ocean, though I suspect there's more to that story. She may be of use to you. Fury shook, nodded his head and said, I see that. Maybe I'll have someone check it out. And what's this? And what is this for? Fury asked as he held up the device Batman gave to him. If you need me, call, Batman said. Fury nodded and looked at the device. All right, Batman, you have my attention. You can take a look at the ship and the particle accelerator if you want. So far all S.H.I.E.L.D. has done is search and recovery. Batman nodded and walked away. He took off from the aircraft carrier and Fury looked at Hill and said, Let's bring her up. And just like that, the aircraft carrier took flight and flew above the ocean. He said, Engage reflective panels. And the helicarrier disappeared from sight. That concludes Chapter 4 of the Avengers of Justice. This one was called the Tesseract. Um, hope you guys liked it. I'm going to do my best to get these out more routinely instead of having like four months in between, five months, however long it's been. I have a pretty good idea of where the story's going. I just <laughs> need to sit down and 
really put my thoughts in one place. So um, thanks for listening, and I hope you all liked it.